This is a Mortarbox Media Podcast. For more podcasts and to learn how we can help you create your own, visit mortarboxmedia.com. Hello, Madison Story Slam. It is I, your host, Adam. Uh, this is the podcast where we hear great stories from great people, but every now and then we have somebody on to do a long-form interview and talk to them, and that's what we're doing today. We're also uh, streaming this live on Instagram, so if you hear me referring to people who are talking to me on Instagram, I apologize for future listeners, but that's how we do. Uh, hey, want to give you a heads up that our next live event is Saturday, April 20th at the Wilmar Center. The theme is secondhand, so come out and tell a story that may not be your own, but it is secondhand of someone you know, it's a story you love, all that good stuff. Or any way that you can work that theme into your story, we want to hear that. Doors are at 6, stories start at 7. We're sponsored by Ale Asylum, as always, so there's going to be great beer. It's going to be a great time. And then on May 10th at the Nomad World Pub, we are uh, helping do Tragedy Plus Time Equals Comedy with Tyson Purcell and Midwest Indie Comedy. That's going to be a great time as well. Come on out for that. I believe tickets are, is it $10? I think it's $5. $5, yeah, $5. There you go. And then brand new for Madison Story Slam on May 23rd, Thursday, May 23rd at Stateline Distillery. We're doing a second Story Slam in the month of May. Uh, we also, I believe, on May 18th have a story slam. We just don't have a theme for that one yet. But May 23rd, Thursday, the theme is with a twist at Stateline Distillery. It's going to be a good time. Come on out. Uh, that's really all I've got for news. Uh, we're just going to get into it. Today on the podcast, uh, my dear, 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 just so you know, friend, Jake Snell. <laughs> uh, Jake, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me in your home. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I'm not supposed to reveal that. No, we're no, it's, right it's totally, it's totally fine <laughs> that that people know that uh, we're in my home. But uh, I guess I don't typically uh, say that. Yeah, I don't. Know. I usually just say we're in the podcast studio. This but is a nice studio. Thank you. you I got appreciate plenty of space it. for I have, all the things. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> it is so. I like. I think on video, people must see like the angles and are like, "Oh, wow, he's got a pretty big space for that." But like, yeah. if they were in here, they would realize like it's smaller than a dorm room it's it's pretty brutal uh, yeah. to do it but uh, that's cool i like it yeah good hey, vibe you got jake the snake right here yeah I, he's I not can't on help camera but, but i can't help but think you did it just for me but i know it was for you that's right it was and and i actually got uh, a smaller little jake the snake Ooh, with yeah. the wrestling buddy one so hell yeah uh hey oh that's i get why you said it was for you your name's jake <laughs> yep that's that's uh, one of those things jake for my listeners or our listeners who don't know who you are can you tell them who you are uh, I am a stand-up comedian, musician, uh, producer of shows and events, and uh, and you're help- you do, you do you promote for Nomad? Is that part of what you do? Yeah, so I uh, kind of took over the comedy show producing at Nomad. We have shows every Friday and Sunday. Nomad World Pub, shout out Nomad World Pub. That's right. Um, they're a soccer bar, so it's kind of weird to just like. Like I do, guess I didn't realize that makes sense. Comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that used to be uh, Cardinal Bar yeah. back in the day. Ricardo uh, sold it a few years ago, and then they the, the Nomad is like a they have like multiple locations in like, like oh really they have like Milwaukee. They're expanding to like a few other cities in the Midwest. And I know that they're actually their reaches. I don't know exactly where they're trying to go down south, but I know they're trying to go in some bigger cities down there too. So this is just kind of like a little pilot program where they're they're doing some uh stand-up and concept shows fridays and sundays 
Very cool. So, yeah, it's been really cool. Yeah. It's been really nice. Like I said at the top of the show, you know, I'm helping out with the tragedy plus time equals comedy. Yep. There. And, Which the uh, first one that you guys did there was awesome. Oh, it was tons of fun. Yeah. It yeah. was packed. Like, oh. Everyone had a good time. I it didn't was... know what to expect because the last time I was in that space, it was the Cardinal. And right. it was a foam party. Yep. And... uh I, the only time I'd ever been there was that, and it was pitch black. They had, you know, it was like neon lights, but like you couldn't really see anything. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I didn't know what to expect, but it was, the space is small, but it, it fit. Totally. It fit a ton of people and it just, it fit the vibe of what we were doing. So. Yeah. We have people like hitting us up that like are like comedy groups that tour. Like we have this group Asperger's are us. They have like an HBO show coming out. Oh, and nice. Everything, and like they had like this documentary a few years back and uh they hit me up to just like come to do a show at nomad so like it's the word's getting out there about it a little bit and people are wanting to come be a part of it which is cool i mean the the space is obviously beautiful so it's nice that absolutely anyone cares about it at all uh so tell me um i know you're not local to madison originally did did you yeah. come here for college is that what it was yep 2010 i moved here to go to uw madison study uh biology and kinesiology and uh, a little global health. And um, and now you're not doing any of that. <laughs> no, not really. I worked in education for a few years after I graduated. And up until really recently, actually, up until like January. Okay. I worked in like nonprofit education. I so are you, with, just, are you full-time performing? Like, full-time promoting? performing, promoting, producing. Yeah, all those things. Wow. Stretching it along. Is it scary? It's scary. It's like a romantic idea, I think. I think people like, people like, kind of romanticize that kind of idea right just like and, but it's really it's different when you're when you're the guy doing it a little bit like uh, i always thought that was like a really nice cool thing too and honestly like who knows if i'm even at the stage where it's sustainable from here on out like i could hmm. i could see myself how old are you i'm 26 okay but i've done this like when i graduated uw madison um i would like street perform and i was playing in a band that would play like four or five shows a week and that's when I was just kind of like starting to do comedy shows. So I made that work for a little bit. Uh, ended up working uh, for a uh, like a private education company for college students on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool. And that kind of work is really near and dear to, to my heart. So uh, I think if, you know, I, I kind of just went the route of like, if I am going to be working a conventional job, it's going to be something that means something to me. Right. And supplements the rest of this kind of stuff that I've got going on. Hmm. So I know that you you started out as a musician as far as doing entertainment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Like, have, have you always played music from an early age? Or was there a point in time where I was like, you know what? I think I want to do this music thing. I was always really into music. I was always like, I had a very particular music taste. I remember um, there was like when we were when I was growing up going to elementary school. I had there was like this every Friday if you had music class on a Friday, you got to bring in your own music. Yeah, and I was always like I would bring in a, I would bring in like I don't know I brought in like Casey and JoJo or like you know just like <laughs> like nineties two thousands R and B just that's like the that's the one. kind of stuff I just love. my go to karaoke song is Brian McKnight back at once oh hell yeah I'm, yeah yep that probably came up on a Music Friday of course uh, and I was always like I was always an athlete mm-hmm. and I was and I had an older brother who was like this really tough wow you're guy. just you're all over the spectrum here you yeah, don't normally see right. athlete musician comedian I've dipped my toes in a lot of 
things. We'll see if I become a master at any right. one of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was kind of the goal. My my whole life, I was uh, I played football throughout my whole life and everything, and and that was a goal that I had in in college too that I just never actually tried to do. Yeah. Um, but when I was a kid, I would like bring in those songs, and I would just get really embarrassed because like you're not really encouraged to be i had this older brother who was like tough and like you know he was just like the strong kid yeah like, good at everything and like uh you weren't really encouraged to be expressive hmm. you know so i kind of hid behind that and i was like shy and and not necessarily willing to do that so like sometimes i would let my music play and i would be like i gotta go to the bathroom i can't <laughs> i can't watch everybody watch me enjoy this and think things about me like well, that, I, I, I mean that's very... kind of that makes sense to me a little bit just because like music is so personal and it kind of puts you in your own personal space so it makes sense that you wouldn't want to be like okay i'm gonna invite my entire class in with me to yeah. this place that means something to me right so so yeah that's kind of where like it, it started and i always had this kind of disconnect between like i never thought i would be a performer of music of sure. any kind like I knew I was a fan of it, um, but it didn't really dawn on me that that was something that was possible for me, you know. So I, when I came to Madison, I had already been playing guitar for about, I don't know, nine years or so, just like self-taught yeah. and like just kind of like picking up chords here and there and learning little Led Zeppelin songs <laughs> and like metal stuff and uh just classics you know stuff i can't that, imagine you playing metal music yeah. yeah oh i got i'll i'll pull up a picture uh in a little bit here perfect that, uh <laughs> you'll see the, you'll see the old the old teen years of jake snell oh geez um yeah and so like i was just playing all kinds of stuff like that and um i met these guys in college that they were all well i auditioned for an acapella group oh in college okay we got to talk. Yeah. <laughs> My entire life, I have wanted to be in an acapella group. Really? Specifically, a barbershop group. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I could see you in I that for sure. I would love to do barbershop. You have the like look, too. I, like right. I'm portly. Like, and, oh. and, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I will go on YouTube benders of just watching barbershop cover songs. It's and, fun to watch. Oh, my God. The harmonies are just incredible. Yeah. Right. And uh, there was a great... Uh, Back in the day, this isn't barbershop, but acapella. Back in the day, uh, even before my time, there was a great acapella band in Madison. They were all UW students, and they were called Not From Concentrate. And they Hmm. released one album, and it's basically all cover songs. Yeah. And to this day, my sister was was friends with them, and I got the CD from her. And to this day, I will put it on and just be like, all right, I'm going to jam out, on, especially on road trips. It's like, okay, this is going to take up an hour of my time, and it'll be tons of fun. So, yeah. Yeah. What was the acapella group that you auditioned for? I auditioned for the Mad Hatters my freshman year. Yeah. Yeah. I saw them at like uh, Overture, like one of my first nights in town. They do that like freshman night at the Overture. Yeah. I saw them. They had a really good comedic energy. They were just kind of riffing on stage and like cracking jokes. And yeah. Like, it was an all male, you know, acapella group. They had their red blazers. They were looking fresh. It was oh, cool. Man. And I was there like, actually, it was funny because I was there with my high school girlfriend who I, uh, she also went to UW. And like, I was like, I'd like to do something like that. And she like laughed about it, you know? And I was just like, <laughs> well, now feel, I'm, well, now I'm going to really try. Small. Cause like, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, just because you laughed, I'm going to try now. And then I didn't get in, but I met some cool people. And uh, my actual, my roommate at the time was a really good beatboxer. 
and he then like started to kind of be like an apprentice to this guy who was already the guy who was already in the group who was leaving in a year. Yeah. So he like trained kind of worked on his chops over that year until he was like the main guy carrying the group. And then so his friends would just kind of like come be around and a lot of them would play instruments and we just started kind of randomly jamming together and just like dorm room stuff like you know just in our little apartment and uh we started to like be like hey this actually sounds pretty good they're all really good singers i was yeah. like a decent guitar player at the time and like you know like we had a we had a nice little rapport we could just like riff and make stuff up and um i ended up moving in with those guys we played for a couple more years and then we would just play on the street just for fun mm-hmm. and then these other like people would just give us money but they wouldn't know where to put it <laughs> wait because we didn't like we oh, didn't like street. set anything yeah up. we didn't we didn't like set up a thing like we were just trying to have fun yeah and just like if anyone enjoyed it like cool um but we didn't care either way right like, we were already playing we lived on state street and we were like let's just go outside and play yeah like it's cool uh and then these other street performers came up to us and they were like you have to put a thing out just be like even if you don't want money because right it sets the precedent that like people pay street performers so then when we started putting out the unwritten code yeah which yeah it makes total sense like if you're in that scene of like being a street performer it totally makes sense you'd want that and so we obliged and we did it and then we started to actually make money and we were like wow this is like kind of a lucrative thing you I, play at the farmer's market make a couple hundred bucks and you're like wow yeah. holy cow you know i uh i make money from podcasting yeah and i you know i love podcasting and, and right. it is my passion uh but there is no greater feeling than when i have made money from music yeah I, you know i i played shows for many years and barely made any money mm-hmm. and so and then i started podcasting and within three months was making more money than i had ever made playing shows right yeah and like combined uh-huh. and uh and but now even to this day uh my aunt works for a hospice center okay. and every year they do uh memorial services for everybody who's passed away they usually do two a year and she hires me to come and play two songs mm-hmm. and they pay me 250 dollars. yeah and i'm like this is 10 minutes of work to play my guitar yeah. and sing two songs and I yeah. make this much money and like I leave every time going, I should be doing this full time. I like there's no greater feeling. It's so good. It's crazy. Like I I was like really, really worried when I graduated, but we had that kind of momentum going where like we would just play on the street and then like, like people would come up and just be like, Can you guys play our wedding? And right. Like, like we played a wedding off of that and like uh I got hooked up with like our, our first gig as like a group. It was at Tip Top Tavern. Mm-hmm. Um just because this person that worked there, Tori, she came up and was like, um, you guys are great. Like, come to Tip Top. That's awesome. And play tonight. Yeah. It was an open mic, and I met a bunch of people I still talk to and play with and everything through there, too. So it was like, just one of those things that, like, it just kind of happened naturally. Like, right. We weren't really pushing for it to happen, but then when it started happening, we were like, all right, well, we'll keep doing this. Like, that's real cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that um uh being a musician and playing shows and whatever it has always been very um I don't know like there's a camaraderie, right? And there's a community mm-hmm. that is you're always kind of like rooting for each other. 
and I don't see in in the music scene, I don't see a whole lot of, but secretly I hope you don't make it because it means I might not make it. Right. But let's talk about comedy a little bit because mm-hmm. I feel like, so I'm not a comedian, I, I, I am comedy adjacent with Madison right. Story Slam. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a glimpse of what it is, but I'm not a stand-up. You I, get laughs during your stories. Right. I've seen you get right. good laughs. And you know, here's the thing, I have written stand-up for the hosting duties because yeah. we choose a theme every time, so I'll write jokes about mm-hmm. that theme. Um, but for the most part, here, here's here's why I would say I understand a little bit of comedy because I know what it is like to bomb in front of 150 people. Yeah, and it sucks. It sucks. So <laughs> uh, but so what I don't see in comedy, there there is a camaraderie, there is a community, <clears throat> but the difference between the music scene and the comedy scene is that I feel like there is a little bit of like, oh wow, you're doing so great, but I secretly hope you're not because it means that I might not. Yeah. Tell me about that. I experienced that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, like, even, like, I started dating recently, and, like, uh, my girlfriend would sit at the bar, and she would, like, tell me, like, when I, even when I'm, like, up there killing it, that, like, some people would just, like, be at the bar, like, rolling their eyes, like, ugh. Right. <laughs> right. Ugh. Just, like, hating. And, like, that's fine. Like, I expect that. Yeah. And my, how I'm perceived by other comedians is not my choice, and it's, like, that's fine. Sure. But I think... Music is so established that, like, there's a space for all different kinds of music. And I think, like, comedy, obviously there's, like, you know, a space for improv and a space for stand-up and a space for, you know, video content or, like, whatever it is. But all of the sub-genres of comedy, they have to exist pretty much in the same circuit. Right. So, like, you'll get a guy who's maybe, like, a Brian Regan who's, like, really clean and, like... um not super poignant, just kind of like escapist and like Lewis black. And you know, if they're coming up in the same scene, they have to like be, they have to like follow each other. And like right. go, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, the vibe can switch heavily from one to the next. Whereas you're not going to see a metal band and then a folk band and then like a gospel choir all on the <laughs> Although, same show. I would love to be at that yeah, show. If anyone wants to book that, I will <laughs> attend. Um, but, uh, it's like, I think there's just more there's more opportunities for music and I think it's taken a little bit more seriously too. Mm. So like what I noticed when I was starting cuz I was kind of I was dipping my toes into stand up when I was starting to gig as a musician and I I would notice that just like if I wanted to set up a show for my band at a bar they would pay us well. They would expect to pay us well. Right. But if I wanted to set up a comedy showcase I've been asked to pay to rent a space yeah and i had to kind of like coach the venue on like well here's the thing like the look we're gonna bring people here they're gonna buy beer from they're you. gonna buy yeah. beer for, like we are gonna ask you for money actually right like i'm not gonna just throw out a number right now because it seems like you got it twisted a little bit <laughs> but i think it also comes to the fact that like a lot of people put on less than stellar productions in right. comedy because you can just you have a PA and a mic, you can throw it in any corner of any room and call it a comedy show. Right. Um, so I think that definitely has something to do with it also. But like, I think it kind of breeds this um, scarcity mentality among comedians <clears throat> because it's not really an in-demand skill. Like, you have to kind of create the demand for it and then fill that demand. Hmm. And it's, it's a little weird like that. And uh, there are limited opportunities. So I think like, 
you know, if you're a, do you, would you say there are limited paid opportunities, limited paid opportunities, limited opportunities for like industry exposure, sure. television spots, all that kind of like comedians are pinned against each other a lot. You see shows like the roast battle mm-hmm. or like, just like, I don't know any, anything really. It's just like a whole different dynamic. Um, well, I, I think, I think part of it is, is like, it's pretty rare that you would hear about. So, you know, Madison has a really good comedy scene. It mm-hmm. just does. Uh, but I was thinking today, I, I don't know of any Madison comic who has suddenly made it big, you right. know? Uh, and so I think that comics understand that there's, there's limited spots to become the big thing. Yeah. It, you know, it, and it would be pretty, t- it's pretty tough to have this like spirit of camaraderie and like being happy for each other when you know that probably, at most, only one of you is going to make it as, right. a, as a comedian. Right, right. And everybody wants that for themselves. So it's this weird dichotomy of like, yeah, we're in the same thing and we're friends and whatever, but like yeah. secretly, I really hope you fail because it gives me a better chance of not failing. Yeah. And what a weird, fucked up, like, w- shitty place to be. Oh, I can swear on here? Oh, Hell you can yeah. say whatever the fuck you want. I've been biting my tongue. Sorry, no, I should have uh, let you know. All right, cool. But yeah, I think I think it is it is fucked up and it's like it's a thing where I mean, like you said, like especially out of a place like Madison, like when I tell people I'm a full-time comedian out of Madison, Wisconsin, like are you just a stupid person? Like, why are you doing this? Like everyone tells me, you know, you got to move to get opportunities and like that's true. For I was sure. going to say that's like, at some point that's true. That's definitely true. Yeah. Um but I think there's a lot that can be done around here to make it a little bit more viable for the people that are here. And that's, I try really hard to like distance myself from the scarcity mindset of like, if you get something, I can't get it. And I I really, really try to, even if sometimes it is like, even if sometimes I'm being, even if it's like naive of me to think that sometimes, because I know that a lot of my peers don't share that belief. I really do try to genuinely provide opportunity for everybody to move up a little bit. Right. And I think that's important whether or not, I mean, I think I could also stand to focus a little bit more on my own career and all Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Like I don't really ask for many opportunities, but when you do stuff like that, I just want to remind you, this water is yours. Yeah. I'm burping. You're you're coughing and I, but I just, I'm sorry for interrupting. I just don't want you to be uncomfortable. That's all. I feel bad. Am I supposed to, Plug the Pabst Blue Ribbon? Uh, no, not on this uh, podcast because we're sponsored by Ale Asylum. So I can say fuck, <laughs> but you're going to bleep that out in post. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, we have a really good uh, relationship with Ale Asylum. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah. They, like, That's cool. Uh, shout out to Hathaway. You're the best. Um, so Hathaway is, is who we deal with there. Okay. And she just loves what we're doing and wants to be a part of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, last summer, we did uh, two... Uh, events at Rubinia Courtyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, we take June and July off for Story Slams because it's nice out and people don't want to be inside. They want to be outside. Right. So Rubinia reached out and said, well, we have this courtyard. You can come do yeah. one of your or two of your events here in June and July. Uh, and one of them was an industry night called Thank You for Your Service. Mm. Um, and we, I used a like a hand-drawn PBR can. And before I used that as the flyer, I sent it to Hathaway and said, hey, you sponsor our show. 
I will not put this out if you don't want me to. Like, I don't ever want to, like, do anything to harsh your mellow yeah. or whatever. Uh, and she's like, <laughs> her email response was, this is why I freaking love you. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, it's totally fine. Just the fine. fact that you were considerate about exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Because so many people, like, this is my thing. I, I, I hesitate to say it's my thing because we really... We're a community. We believe in building community through storytelling. Yeah. Um, I yeah. run this thing, yeah. and, it, and it's very near and dear to me. And a lot of people who have a thing are like, well, I'm going to do whatever I want and disregard any relationship they built just to try and like build their own thing yeah. still. And she's probably used to that. And so to have somebody reach out and be like, hey, I need your approval to be able to do this, it like meant something to her. So. Yeah, no, that's great. That's I mean, that's definitely that's a thoughtful approach. And that's yeah. the way... It, anyone who invests in what you're doing right. like should be treated. You know? Well, and and that's the thing is like, it really is this investment and like, you know, you look at it as any other investment, which people think of money. If, if mm -hmm. people are giving you money as an investment for you to just like take a shit on that person. Yeah. That's pretty shitty. So, yeah. 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 Um, so I, there are two things that I want to talk to you about. Mm -hmm. One that, one that we don't have to get too in depth in, uh, and one that I would like to explore with you. Okay. Do you remember our first interaction? Yes. Okay. So this is the one that we don't have to get too in depth in. Okay. Cool. Yeah. You okay fun. talking about it? Yeah. Why not? Okay. So our our so it's actually our second interaction, but it was on the same night. Our first interaction was you were a judge <clears throat> at JPH Story Slam. Yeah. And I told my infamous. Uh, oasis poop story yeah person uh, locked in the bathroom that's right yeah. that's right and uh and i remember our first interaction i actually remember this today that you came up to me afterwards and you're like that was a hell of a story that was good uh thank you um it's my best story um and then i was just hanging around at jph and smoking cigarettes uh, -huh. uh and overheard some comedian talk yeah and i have no problem saying this Butted in where I didn't have the uh, place to butt in. Offered my opinion where I didn't need right. to. I didn't need to. And I, and I didn't add anything. And you got so pissed. <laughs> I, to be fair, we were, we were on like step like five of that conversation. Right. And I was I both. Uh, it was about some like. I don't even. I do remember, but I, I don't want to say it, what it was about yeah. because I, I don't think it would be fair to the comedy scene. Right. And I, so it was like this thing that blew up online and people, everyone wanted to weigh in once there was a little group of comics, right. you know, and, uh, I, uh, I provided my opinion. I think it was, it was a very contextualized opinion. Like we were like three, four degrees deep into this, like knowing this, Right. Knowing that. Right. And uh yeah, I was I was already I was already pissed. You were I, worked up already. Yeah. I, yeah, I try to I try to really not be like a shit talker. Like hey, something Tyson, like that. Thanks for joining on uh, Instagram. <laughs> Speaking of talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh I try not to be like a shit talker. I try to be if I can be the voice of reason unless I'm just like, well fuck that right. person. Right. Um and yeah, and then I was already like super not wanting to be a part of the conversation, and then like, it, and then like, this outsider you, you came in at like step one of like I everything, know. and it was like I it was like 
like yeah i've considered that right and uh, like right. i was just like i'm i'm going i'm leaving right and then we just left so i want I, I, you know I, we've talked about we this. have we've talked about yeah, it since in yeah. person and, um I, I want to make a confession uh i butted in because i wanted to feel cool i wanted to be a part of the group right that i had no i had no reason to be a part of that group i'm not yeah. a comedian I, my 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 voice in that discussion should be muted, you know. Uh, Mine should too, no. based on what the you, top, based you, on you what have, the, well, yeah, was being discussed. Yes, you're right. You're you yeah. are right. <laughs> I'm glad you can admit that. Yeah. Uh, because I don't feel good admitting that. Like it was all about. Really, it was about insecurity of like feeling like, like you were. The sto- it was like a comedy and story event for those right, of you who right are following along right um, and. Uh, yeah, I feel like you were trying to bridge that gap. It was like, oh, there's comics here at this storytelling event. Yeah, at, at John's Public House, which you ran your right. story slams there. Right, and-, and so like there was there was part of me like trying to make connections because as as yeah. a showrunner, I'm always trying to do that. Absolutely. Um, it's kind it's kind of like the downfall of doing this kind of thing is like you're constantly like, hey, by the way, I do this thing. Um, yeah. but. Uh, but mainly, like I just I, I like comedians, and I wanted to feel like a part of the crowd. No, <laughs> it's yeah, so embarrassing to to like admit that it just really. No, is. I appreciate that though because knowing somebody's intentions definitely goes a long way. Right. And I personally, I like can't handle when my intentions are misunderstood, <laughs> and that is that was the nature of me getting pissed as I was like. Scott thinks I'm trying to be a dick, and well, I'm not, and I'm not going to explain it oh, right you know now. What, you know what the ugh. thing is? I didn't think you were being a dick. Right. I really didn't. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sensitive boy. I, so <laughs> do you remember the thing that I said to you that pissed you off? Not especially. I said, you are a straight white male. <laughs> I said, that's yeah. what you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which in my mind, I'm like, well, no shit. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I've approached the whole conversation. Like, right. It just right. Like, like short circuited my brain. And I was just like, I know. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it, I just remember that. And I, I, I was mortified. So I came up to you outside the comedy club on state and said, you probably don't remem- remember me. And you're like, oh yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally did. But it's funny because I, that stuck with me too as like, like I don't want it. It was not, bad blood. I hate I don't bad blood. Not like this guy. Like, yeah, he was funny. I liked his right. story. Like why not like the and, guy? And, and anytime we weren't I even talking you... about the same thing. Yeah, when we had a right a tiff. So here we are drinking, drinking whiskey, whiskey. Yeah, in your house. <laughs> so right. thanks for the whiskey. Hey, also, cheers. we'll yeah, cheers yeah. to that. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll actually we'll cheers. clink. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I. Uh, I was. I, I'm with you. I, I hate bad blood for no reason. Like. I listen, if somebody deserves my bad blood, fuck it, I don't care. Like yeah. you deserve it. But like yeah. neither of us really deserved animosity no. from the other side and I, like any time I saw you after that, like I would avoid you. I actually We both had a conversation so like thrust upon us. Right. That we were this is not so embarrassing. To- I actually was working a show, I think, and I saw you <laughs> park your car on the street and I was like I like hid my face and like walked the other way. <laughs> oh boy (laughs) human beings are fucking weird man like we're just like we're just people like just who cares talk about shit Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like what we believe here at madison story slam part of the reason like the way that community gets built is 
somebody gets up and shares a serious story or a funny story or whatever, and somebody else in the crowd hears it and goes, "Oh, I'm not the only one. I'm like somebody else yeah. went through something that is very similar to me." And then that person gets done telling the story. And I always say that the real community aspect happens during our breaks. We take, we do three stories and then we take a break and then just do that for the whole night. Um, and it's during those breaks that somebody can talk to somebody who's told the right. story and say, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you said that. And you told that story because I had this similar experience and yeah. now we're bonded together because of that and blah, blah, blah. And it just keeps yeah. building. And like, I wish that that night outside of JPH, we, we would have just been able to be like, what we did already, like what we did right, outside the right, comedy right, club, right. and just be like, okay, like you could have said, Adam, fuck you. And I could have been like, Jake, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> well, I mean, I think either of us could have reasonably uh, made the case for fuck you on that. <laughs> right, <laughs> so right. I don't think it was a. Uh... Oh, no. Here's the thing, though, man. The, you, you, you stormed away angrily, and I, I immediately knew. I was like, oh, I fucked up. I, like, I was in, <laughs> I was in the yeah. wrong there. So, but anyway, I'm glad we're cool now. So. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do want to get to why I suddenly reached out to you and and wanted to have you on here. It's a very simple thing. I was at a uh, um, a show at the High Noon on Sunday night, and it was a Martin Sexton show. I don't know if you've heard of Martin Sexton. He's a great singer songwriter. I saw you posting about him. He's so yeah. good. Um, and then, but his opener is a guy named Chris Trapper, and Chris uh, has had songs in movies big blockbuster films and some cool. like not great movies, but his biggest one is a song on the soundtrack. He, he actually, I believe he said he had three songs on the soundtrack for, um, August rush. Is that the name of the movie? August rush where the kid like plays music with Robin mm. Williams or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The like guitar the slap. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, he was, he was telling this story and, uh, about how people attribute the song that he wrote to the actor who sings it in the movie, right? Right. And he just told this wonderful story that was exactly what stand-up comedy is, where it's set him up, knock him down, set him up, knock him down. And I suddenly just had this realization. So I've always thought of stand-up and being a musician pretty differently. You know, you're mm -hmm. both performers. But I suddenly was like, oh, there's this intrinsic um, tie to each other in between songs because you have that banter where you're you're trying to most of the time trying to get a laugh mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. and it what what made me think it's exactly the same as stand-up comedy is that so this guy chris trapper has probably told this story and these jokes 300 times at least yeah right definitely and has learned each time he's done it and he now knows exactly the, the time and the rhythm of how to tell these jokes and this story. And I was like, that's exactly what stand-ups do. They, you know, they work these open yep. mics and they do these shows to work their material <clears throat> and get it ready to be a show. Right. And I just, I was like, who can I talk to about this who understands both? And like, you were the name that popped up because you're a musician and you're a stand-up. And I just, yeah. I want your thoughts on it. Like that's, this is, listen, I, I love having on here, you on here, but the whole reason I yeah, wanted you yeah, on yeah. here was to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. It's, uh, that is an interesting thing. Cause I, I think about that a lot. Um, I just had, I just played a show with my good buddy Xander Anum. He, uh, he, uh, he and I have been playing together for a little while and, uh, Every time I would hop up with him for a song, 
I would like immediately just start talking into the microphone. Right. And I would like talk and I would like say some kind of like announcement or thing or give it up for this person or whatever. <laughs> and always, always, always try to cut through with a laugh before we started. Like right. every single time. And like I think that's common to like just because like there's so many different acceptable reactions when you're listening to music live. Yeah. You can you can be in an earshot and still be holding a conversation and still enjoying the music and just the vibe that it's creating. You can be dancing, you can be singing along, you can be, you know, ignoring it, whatever. And it doesn't necessarily take away from the performance depending on where the performance is. Um, obviously the big bigger shows where it's like a pit of people or right. like something like that, you don't want to just be like, hmm, like reading a book <laughs> or something. But like, um, there's so many different acceptable reactions to music versus stand-up where the only, the only acceptable reaction is laugh or don't. Yeah, I, I, I would even boil it down as saying the only acceptable reaction, or not reaction, the only acceptable state is to be focused on what is happening. Right, right. As, the, as the audience member. Right. To just like be locked in. Whether or not you find it funny that moment or not, as long as you're paying attention, you're like doing the right behavior at a comedy show. It's much more limited that way. Um, so, like me naturally, I just I feel if I'm not drawing people in and getting the attention of the room when I'm playing music, it feels a little bit uninspired. Hmm. And I, I mean, I can't tell you how many gigs I've played in like bars or happy hours or whatever where like just nobody gave a shit and they're just like right you know they're there drinking with their friends on a friday at 6 p.m it sucks or like it's like over a dinner or like you know whatever it is like and those those are the gigs you have to play as a musician if you want to you know be making money do you kind of just focus on like hey i'm getting paid to be here and i like i've that's how i felt when i've had those kind of gigs as a musician where it's just like Okay, nobody's paying attention, but I know that at the end of this, they're writing me a check for a hundred dollars. Right, right. And like you're getting reps too, right? Which like as a like a musician, like you get into this, and I'm sure you're familiar. Like if you're just like playing out all the time, like you get into this groove where you just feel so much more confident before you start playing that right. like everything's gonna go well. It's almost like you're not even thinking about it, and that's huge for music where there's so many little synchronicities and stops and whatever it is that you're that you're working on, whether yeah. it's solo or with a group or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think of those in those gigs, you have to just uh, power through. Yeah, power through. <laughs> focus on the actual uh, playing of your instrument or whatever you're doing to not, you know, uh, beat yourself up about it too hard. Um, but I think I sometimes judge my performance based on how many people gave a shit mm. as a musician because, like, you know, there sometimes Quick, especially let me interrupt like, you. Yeah, uh, would you say? That conversely, you don't care how many people gave a shit as a comedian? No, I think those are one and the same. So, okay. like, one thing I'll do is I'll go to a music mic and I'll try to get a stand up set and a music set. Okay. Because separate sets, not separate the same. sets or the same. Okay. Uh, depends. Um, I usually try not to do music after or stand up after I do music, but like at North Street Cabaret, I did. I played, um, I played songs with Maddie Vay. Mm-hmm. It's a great local vocalist. She's up for best new artist in Mama. Nice. Um, 
<laughs> that was a weird. I, I stuck my tongue out and winked and <laughs> did a finger gun. I'm sorry. That's too much. Too much. That. Uh, she's fantastic. And then I did my like, I do this like musical act where it's like I make a beat, uh, just on the spot, just from scratch on my loop pedal with a bass guitar beatboxing, and then I ask for a topic from the audience, and then I'll create a hook on a different channel, and I'll like a vocal hook, right, and then. That'll play, and then I'll cut out the hook, and then I'll like freestyle about their topic. And then when I'm running out of gas, pretty much, or the verse is complete, uh, it's all silly, trying to get a laugh stuff. None of it is to be taken seriously. I'm not a rapper. I won't be a <laughs> Prove rapper. Prove it. <laughs> yeah. Yo, not a rapper. It's not a rap song at all. All right. <laughs> uh, that was cool. That was a nice little impromptu. Right? Um, it's this fancy board I bought recently. Well, that's the only way I get away with rapping in public is that I'm not a rapper. Right. So it doesn't, like, the bar is lowered when I'm not this guy who's out there crafting verses all the time. Um, but I, I did all three kind of things. And, like, I did that. I did the serious music with Maddie. And then I did my silly music. And then I did a stand up set. And, like, it wasn't my first impression with the audience each time. Yeah. So I want it to be my first impression with the audience each time, ideally, that I get on stage. So that was a little weird, but overall, I think it went pretty well, and it's that's the kind of thing I want to all be able to do it in one show, so that's a good kind of step in the right direction. Um, but I'll go to like a music venue, open mic or something, and I'll try to get a stand-up set and a music set, and I'll focus on what I'm doing, because music mics are notoriously hard to do stand-up in. Yeah. Like, if you go to like Tip Top Tavern on a Sunday, like it's an amazing open mic run by uh, Nate Meng of sunday night records um and uh great music open mic but if you want to do stand-up you have to really get people to pay attention and like you might not necessarily like people will laugh and people will already be paying attention but like i see it as a huge success if like by the time you're done with your five ten minutes or whatever if people are captivated and the room is quiet because people are like shouting there people are like right, right. dancing around singing with friends you know drinking heavily nobody is like necessarily facing you um and so like some of my favorite sets have been knowing that i've converted that rowdy crowd into like an attentive crowd that gave a shit about my jokes that to me is like a bigger accomplishment than going up at comedy on state where all of the contextual elements are already on your side and doing well it's like yeah that feels amazing but it's supposed to go well and they want you to do well and they're already all listening you know so like i try to bring that into music also where like if i can if i can just bring them in hopefully the product is something that they're going to enjoy and I wouldn't, I wouldn't really, I'm so picky and obsessive about it that like, I try not to do stuff that I genuinely don't think people will enjoy. Um, like there's so like most of the things I've written will never be heard <laughs> probably for a good reason. Um, and it, you know, sometimes I'll show it to a friend and they'll be like, well, that's pretty cool. Like, why don't you play that? And I'm like, I just, I just don't feel aligned with playing that. Right. It's just not what I want to put out there. Um, so it, it is weird. And I think I think that getting a laugh thing is something that some of the artists that I've respected and looked up to have had that kind of MC component along with them. Like, obviously I look like a guy who fucking loves John Mayer, but like, I do fucking (laughs) love John Mayer. Like, 
uh and he did stand up for a while and he he performs yeah. with dave Chappelle now yeah. they like they have like the the duo act yeah uh, stand up that they they do together and um you know it didn't work out for him as a stand-up per se like a solo stand-up but he he did that because he wanted to be able to MC his own shows right so when he's done playing whatever song it's like he has a way to tie in some kind of narrative or get a laugh or show us let his personalities shine through a little bit you know like i could say the same about like a like d'angelo or quest love from the roots sure like they the, you know quest love did the whole dj thing where he would be on the mic and he would be spinning his favorites like you know lifetime classic kind of stuff you know old soul samples and all that kind of thing like that kind of that kind of thing i think really ties a lot of things together and, and carries a show and i think that that's that's one of my strengths as a musician like if i'm in a band i can help with the banter and just kind of right. opening up with the audience opening up with the band members like i think if you see a group who talks and communicates with each other between songs and they're 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 loose and they're silly i think people are just more they're like drawn to that at least hmm. i am personally like that's the same thing i mentioned with like the mad hatters earlier is like right i saw their energy on stage like they were riffing they had like they in between you know it's cheesy they were bullshit having pop a good songs. time yeah 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 it's like cheesy bullshit pop songs sang very well right so it's very enjoyable if you like that kind of thing um but what really tied it together as a performance was them being in the moment with each other you can it's like it's like seeing a group at a bar that's clearly having a good time yeah as friends right or whatever it is it's like or seeing a group of comedians outside a coffee shop having yeah. a good time having a discussion just like, and you feel like you want to be a part of it yeah you just want to be drawn <laughs> to that that kind of thing and i think that helps so much with music and i think that's really undervalued right um or not not even undervalued but un- it's definitely not undervalued by the audience i think it's under is it misunderstood it's what what word am i looking for i don't know it's it's under not appreciate uh, it's lost the on the performer i think right. a lot of times i think right. they don't necessarily consider those things right a lot of the time i'll see great bands that are just one song after another right or like a solo artist that just has nothing to say like i wrote this one <laughs> on a bale i saw a tumbleweed i was sitting on a bale of hay and uh right next to the railroad tracks and uh all right here goes but do you think do you think though that like musicians feel a, a certain pressure to be because like what's the what's the question that musicians get all the time oh what did what is that song about like what does that mean blah blah, blah. yeah Th- they gotta feel a certain amount of pressure uh playing shows to be able to have that story slash banter yeah and maybe like some of the songs i've written don't really have a story that right. behind it it's just words that sound good together with this melody yep. and, and but you want to hear what it's about so i have to come up with some bullshit and talk about it yeah and like my default is to get a laugh some people right. some people will play a show and they're promoting their upcoming album or they're playing after their album's released and they're selling their album at their show and they want to tie it all together as a performance so it doesn't they're not up there to get a laugh like i default to a laugh because that's just who i am you and i are the same in that way i relate through humor right even like people will oftentimes be like like they'll think that i'm trying to make them laugh because i'm a comedian (laughs) yeah yeah and it's like no i'm a comedian because i'm always trying to make people laugh right like that's that's just the natural that's always been the case 
which led me into comedy. Right. Versus now that I'm a comedian, I feel all this pressure to make everyone laugh every second of my life. Like it's just not, I'm just not that guy. I'll, yeah. You know? Um, so some people default to a different type of communication. Like, and that's the thing between like story slam and comedy too. Like it doesn't have to be funny. You can use humor in yeah. your story. It'll help. It, it'll help bring people in, but so will relatable content. So will, you know, uh, dramatic irony. So will drama. So will any kind of like any kind of contrasting element that makes people any kind of evocative thing you can implement into your storytelling. That's yeah. any kind of rhetoric that you want. It doesn't have to be humorous. Right. You know. Well, um, so speaking of stories. Yeah. Do you have any story you could tell us? Because this is Madison Story Slam after all. Story about what? Uh, so our upcoming themes are secondhand or with a twist. If you have anything that could work into that. But, you know, even at our live events, I always say uh, we're here to hear good stories. If you have a story that's not on theme, we want to hear it. So if you've got, like, you know, your best story, we would love to hear it. Uh, I also know that as a comedian, you don't want to give away your bits. Uh, but, I, you know, I just thought I'd ask. it. No pressure. <laughs> not, many of my, not many of my bits are stories. Right. They are a narrative, I think, more often than not, like about how I approach a situation or what I think about a thing that might tie into other instances in which I'm attacking similar subject right. matter. It's all thematically similar, but it's not necessarily, um, it's not a story in the traditional sense. Sure. Where it's like a, one event that happened. Beginning, middle, end. Place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I mean, I've got all kinds of stories though i suppose well uh, give do, me one what do you think what do you think <laughs> music story comedy story i listen i ne i never tell anybody what story they have to tell so oh, it's dealer's choice um i'll tell a story about meeting my favorite comedian sure okay um i was hanging out comedy on state this so the, it's, there's kind of like some synchronicity in this one it's not gonna be a great story for those of you who are listening like oh i'm a Big story guy, and if your sucks, fuck you. Uh, I don't know why every time I why invitate are they anyone, they're always yeah. I'm sitting on a bale of hay watching a fucking tumbleweed, and if your story sucks, then fuck off. Uh, Wait, hold on here. I'll help you with that. All right, so I met my favorite comedian. Uh, no, um, <laughs> Brian Regan, I grew up watching with my siblings. And just Why is that everyone's up. favorite comedian? I don't is know. Is it about the cleanness? Is I that think what it's it because, is? I think it's like, so for me, I mean, it's not my favorite. I wouldn't say favorite. I have a really, really hard time with superlatives. Right. But Brian Regan was... He's great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's no. just I hear so many stand-ups say Brian Regan. Yeah. I mean, I also like like Patrice O'Neill. Yeah. like one of my favorites. Right. And like, you know, like I could name fucking 20 comedians right now that are still working today that yeah. i that i love um but brian regan was like just this guy that like my friends who were into stand-up because it's not like an automatic thing for like a kid to be into stand-up sure so like my friends when i was like growing up who were into stand-up always liked him and like it was i had like inside jokes with friends where we'd like quote his jokes and i had that like with my siblings and everything too so like it was just kind of like when i saw that he was uh I saw that he was doing Orpheum Theater and I was doing comedy on state. He came down after the early show and I was just like, holy shit, that's Brian Regan. He's just like chilling right He's here. He's just right We're, there. This is, <laughs> holy shit. 
<laughs> and I was just like a year in or two years in or something like that. And like, um, he was just a really cool dude. And he just like came up to me and was like, Hey, you a comic? Cause like comics walk around a comedy club a little bit right, different. Right. I wasn't even performing. There's a swagger. He, yeah. He yeah. hadn't seen me perform or anything like that. Um, so we just like talked and I was like, yeah, I'm like a huge fan of yours. I was trying to be really cool and not be just like, not freak the hey, fuck Brian. out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, so I, I met Ben Folds once and like, that yeah. is my musician. Uh, and, uh, so I'm walking down state street and I was in Ian's pizza or I was in pizza to Roma and saw him walk. And I was like, holy fuck and i like ran out <laughs> yeah. ran out of and just in time to see him walk into a restaurant and i i went up to his table and just stuck my hand out without a single word yeah and he shook my hand and he's like hi and i was like hi <laughs> <laughs> so you were trying just not to be amazed. that guy well because i wanted him to see me as a comedian right you know i didn't want him to see me as a fan and uh it was really cool that he kind of initiated conversation because i wasn't sure if i'd be able to at that time yeah and being and kind of still coming into this like seeing myself as a comedian but we ended up like going out to the icon afterwards and like he was he was very he was much more loose in person right than he was as a comedian he was much more like i don't even want to say real because what he does on stage is real and authentic to him also but like you got to see how he was. He was as a he, guy. He wasn't. His he wasn't act. a performer. He was yeah. a. Pro- he's a real person. Yeah. He yeah. was. He, you know, we were we were drinking, having fun, and like I have like a series of pictures in my phone where like we're just like we're like doing a shot together, and then we're like hugging it out, like chatting over like a nice beer, and like he's like kissing me on the cheek, and I'm just like, oh, this is like the best. And it was like the first time I hung out. Inside, with, like, you are that little girl freaking out. Yeah. yeah. Inside, outside, I'm like, this is just my guy now. Like this is, we're just cool as right. shit now. Right. And then, uh, so he comes, and he comes, and we we do the the whole hangout and everything, and and I was like, well, that's cool. I got to meet him. He'll never fucking remember me. Right. But like, that's cool. And then a year later, it just so happens that I'm working the club again when he's there again. And I had just opened for this guy, Jeff Cesario, in my hometown. He's from my hometown of Kenosha. Mm-hmm. And he, like, he he used to do, like, Carson and shit, like, yeah. back in, like, the 80s, 90s. And, like, he was, he's, like, been around. He lives out in L.A. He's from my hometown of Kenosha. My parents knew about him their whole life. And, like, you know, like, people in my hometown just, like, know this guy. And he was doing a show in Kenosha, and a lot of my family hadn't seen me do stand-up, so I hit him up like, you need an opener? I'll do 10 minutes or whatever. Right. I'll, I'll help you sell tickets, honestly, because there was like a show that wasn't sold out, and I was like, I could help sell out that show. I have family and friends I'm from there that are curious to come watch me. And so we, sold, we sell it out. He has me on. Um, then he's producing a series for Netflix with mm-hmm. Brian Regan that's out now. Um and I'm like, hey, Brian's coming to Madison to do Orpheum. You should, since you guys are so close and everything, you should come open for him. And you can meet the family from Comedy on State who runs the Orpheum also. It just so happens I was booked that weekend opening for Ian Bag. So, like, after the early show that Friday, I go up to the green room and Brian Regan's there with Jeff. And, like, I know Jeff now. Right. And, like, Brian was like, hey, Jake. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Like, you, don't, <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> he, like, remembered everything from last time. And, like, you know, it was just kind of one of those, like, synchronistic moments where right. it's, like, everything just kind of lined up and it was it was super cool. Yeah. So there's my story. That's pretty good. I like that story. Yeah. Uh, I, I have just, just two more questions for you. Yeah. Uh, first, uh, well, I, I guess technically three. Do you got stuff to plug? 
Because this oh, will, this shit, will be yeah. posted tomorrow, so plug whatever you want. Um, well, this weekend we have a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday show. So at Nomad the nineteenth, twentieth, and twenty first yep. of April, twenty nineteen. Yep, and uh, nineteen is Nick Hart and pals. Nick Hart, local uh, local comedian, just did Conan in the last year. He's yeah. out there turning and burning slash trying to be politician. Yep, is that right? That's Nick who's doing. He that, ran right? for mayor. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, ran for mayor. And then on the twentieth. We uh, 420 show at 420 at Nomad World Pub. Well, but you guys, listeners, you don't want to go to that. You want to come to uh, Story Slam on April 20th at the Wilmar. Well, <laughs> it'll be yours will be after. Ours is at 4:20 p.m. Oh, I see what you're saying. So yes, you so go to both. Double header. Sa- same same get, neighborhood basically. Get nice and high. Try not to fall asleep, and then go to the Story Slam. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and so that high concept, Mike John Jack runs that. I'm on that show actually, um, and it's like you get high and. Then you try to tell comedy. <laughs> well, it's not even stand up. It's like you give a presentation. Oh, so like one guy did it about like how cheese is made. It's supposed to. It's be funny. all going to be about it's, food. It's all comedic. <laughs> I'll be doing some music. I'll be kind of like dissecting what I do, right? Um, with my loops and stuff, and maybe, maybe tying in some uh, general evolutionary biology knowledge because I love talking about that too. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and then we have um, fuck. What's the twenty first show? Oh, the strip show at Nomad. Right. The What's ripoff, called? it's called. Yeah, the ripoff, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it's not an original concept, and you rip off your clothes. So, <laughs> I um, like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, nothing says Easter like getting naked and telling jokes. Yeah. And then next week at the Comedy at comedy on State, they're holding auditions for Just for Laughs Montreal. Really? Which is like biggest That's international big. comedy That's festival big. in the world, and I'm auditioning on Wednesday. So that'll be cool. Are they doing? Is it still gonna be the the do or the big deuce? Or is it still gonna no, be the open mic? Gonna, it'll be completely. This different. is gonna eclipse the open mic. Okay. Next week, and then. But so, like the general public can come to that audition. Yeah. Okay. It's still a show. Okay. Uh, they just have this like industry recruiter. They have like a recruiter for just for laughs that's right. gonna come watch right. and judge and whatever. Um, fourteen people doing five minutes on Wednesday, and then fourteen more doing five minutes on Thursday, and they're from like all over. Like we have people from you know milwaukee chicago minneapolis and then sure. a handful of locals also right um which i'm thrilled to have even been asked uh, yeah you know they audition hundreds of people that's awesome like, it's a really good room and if you can stand out like it's you know who knows what can happen so right. i'm looking forward to that then i'm out of town doing some stuff in green bay shout out Kristen lottie fan club comedy Perfect. Uh, no one's gonna go to that from here but you know <laughs> unless you're listening from green bay for some reason and, yeah in which case go to the fucking green room at depier uh <laughs> nobody's listening to that thanks for the vote of confidence from green bay listener do you have a local audience or no like we're, we're i mean you're out there we're all over the world really we get listeners all over the world yeah oh, shit it wasn't a it wasn't a slight no, I, I, know. I thought you were just targeting people is this our for, like, is this our events. second uh yeah, is our, <laughs> guys, we're, not, we're not friends again uh, <laughs> uh and then uh one question i have for you is uh do you feel like at a certain point it's got to be a choice has to be made uh as far as music or comedian i think it's difficult to do both in the same space right now right i think i did i do that often um i'm really trying to bridge the gap where i feel very comfortable weaving in and out of being serious being silly being musical being just talking um relinquishing a little bit like surrendering a little bit of creative control because when you're i think 
when you're with a group, when you're playing music with a group, you have to manage a lot of egos and a lot of different styles. Oh, yeah. And that one thing that I love about stand-up and solo performing music is just that like, I have full control over every creative decision that gets made, which is for the betterment and the detriment, I think, at times. Right. Um, I would love to be able to... And I have found people that I can play off of very well, um, both comedically and musically. But my hope is that I never have to choose. Um, I just adjust the capacity to which I'm involved in either thing. Right. So like when I started, I was doing, I've always really pushed for accompanying musical, uh, musical accompaniment of stand-up shows. It's like my band would sit on stage at the Rigby and we would play people up and we we would do little samples for everyone and we'd pick it wisely. I read this book, Mo Meta Blues by Questlove. And he talked about how he kind of went about picking samples for like the tonight show. Right. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon or even when it was Jimmy Fallon show. Um, we kind of did a similar thing with like our arrangement. Cause I do a lot of like Neo soul R and B kind of groove stuff. Yeah. Um, and so like, that's how I started to get a little bit into the stand up world before I was really crafting more than 10 minute sets. Yeah. You, you were kind of tiptoeing in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that's kind of shifted a bunch. Cause then like, you know, that band, like people after we graduated and everything, like people moved away and people did their own thing and people joined other bands and it was, it was, it's not like we had like this big falling out or anything, but it was like people were just moving on with life and I dove really hard into stand up for a couple of years before, I mean, I would still play music here and there, but before I would really start gigging again. So my goal is to just kind of like, I want to be available to collaborate with artists that I respect and, and like what they do. And, and if that feeling's mutual and they want me on something, um, that's what I want to do. I want to be available for that kind of thing. Um, and I want to, I, I have all the control over my stand up. Hmm. So I feel like I can do that on my own terms for the rest of my life, hopefully. Hopefully. And uh, I never want to give up either thing. So even if it never makes that real legitimizing step where you're kind of on the forefront of your craft, you're on that level of just the leaders of your industry, even if I never kind of get to that, um, I want to be a working comedian and a working musician. That's the goal. I get it. Absolutely. I, I, I don't know if that's naive. I know there's a, there's a lot of people who would say, fuck that, <laughs> narrow down, and like, well, I, I don't go th- in on I one I don't thing. think it's fuck that, narrow down, but I, I do think it's narrow down on one thing and, and make it as that, yeah. and then bring the other back in. Right, I think right, of right. John, Le, John Lejoli, I don't know, the guy who did Show Me Your Genitals, yeah, Show Me Your Le, Genitals. Legere or something? It's, I know you're it's, talking it's about. French. Yeah. And he He's was on uh, that show. The League. He was in The League. And yeah. he now is a very serious musician. Is he really? Under the band name Wolfie's Just Fine and is currently my favorite band. He, like he, His songwriting is like expert level like when I first heard it, I was like, "There's no way this is the guy who wrote Show Me Your Genitals," yeah. and and it's just incredible. But you know, he at some point was like, "Okay, I need to focus on being a comedian and get big that way." And then he made all this money, and was like, "Okay, yeah. now I can like 
stop working a normal job and focus on music and not yeah. be worried about what I'm going to do for dinner. Right. Uh, so I do think that there's a point where like someone like yourself has to make a decision of like, yeah, here's what I'm going to get known for so that hopefully later I can be known for this. And I think of it's like at different levels of doing both things. I've definitely done that. Like right. I've been like, I can, I know I can do the thing where I go work with a band and do that. Like that's like a, just kind of like an entry level, like I can do that. Yeah. I can be a session guitarist or a bass player or like something like that. I can, I've always focused on live performance mm-hmm. because before I want to release anything and distribute anything, I just want it to be really good. Right. And like live performance for me is still the gold standard of how, you, like, there's a lot of people who just go straight to digital recordings and all that right. stuff and distribution. And like, that's fine if that's what you want to do, but like, I need to. I need to know for sure that I'm not in an echo chamber. You want to feel just, it. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to be around people just saying, you're the shit, dude. <sighs> like, right. I want to know for sure. And I want to go judge that for myself. Right. So I'm, but I definitely like, after I had that proof of concept for that, dove really hard into stand up to where I got another proof of concept of like, I can do that. I can, you know, I can, uh, work comedy clubs and theaters and, all that kind of stuff. I can get shows and produce good events and, and produce a really good set and have people enjoy my thing. So I think it's kind of like the alternation between those two things. And I think I'm overdue a little bit maybe for putting words, putting some, uh, putting some content out there. Right. Um, You mean as far as what, as as far as comedy or as far as music? Well, both, both. I mean, like, honestly, I have a comedy music act that like, people like you know not not to get so far up my own ass but like um there i've there have definitely been a few live performances where i've made up a song that like people are still quoting to me right you know people are still talking about it and like i was proud of it like it went really well like there's definitely like that that stuff kind of comes up so i'm still it's like i'm trying to do show me your genitals and wolfie's just fine at the same time (laughs) sometimes but it's like you know i think it's not easy I haven't, I've only put it in front of the people that have been watching me live. Right. I don't put it anywhere else really. Right. Yet. But well, I think, I think it might any, be. Anytime you want time. to, uh, I, I will, you come here, hook up a guitar and we can live stream it anywhere. Yeah. I, you know, I've got, I've got the gear to put this anywhere you want. Really. Cool. Uh, so anytime you want to record something and not spend, you know, a thousand dollars doing it. Yeah. I can do it for you. Cool. Uh, my last question for you. And it's the question that I ask every guest. I've only okay. forgotten one time. Mm. Uh, and it was actually, uh, our last episode. At, Tyson Purcell has been on here twice and I forgot to ask him the second time. This okay. question. It is who is the most interesting person in the contacts of your phone. And I leave it up to you to interpret that uh, that question mm. interesting can mean many different things i'm gonna look through my contacts i have had i have so many unsaved numbers right <laughs> some of my best friends i just know that right. it's like four seven eight four yeah They're like their last or the context of the last conversation right? yeah let me look through it I, we've had answers that have varied between mom brother quincy jones uh, I have Beyonce in my contacts. But is it actually Beyonce? That's what my phone thinks my name is. So <laughs> My phone thinks my name is Big Papa. Really? That's <laughs> And hilarious. I tell it, I like it when you call me Big Papa. <laughs> That's beautiful. I love that. My Yeah, my phone thinks my name is Beyonce. That's awesome. For everyone who's listening. It's like not funny, but it's like, 
It's funny how long I've kept it like that. Right. I think that every time Siri says, hey, Big Papa, I'm like, I should probably change that. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like thinking about how to approach this question. I'm only in the D's right now. It's a good place to be. Uh, Oh, the D's. (laughs) Um, And I'm definitely not going to like, what is the like name drop? Well, see, that's the thing. Some people take this like, so uh, there is a person who has been on here a couple times and uh he is he has a brother who was very very famous and oh yeah he chose to use this question to name drop and it's okay to do that uh yeah but then i have had very very famous people on the podcast who have then said mom yeah my mom's a really interesting person uh just shout out even if you don't win this little game we're playing right now mom uh like i love you super interesting um, so I'm in the S's now, so I feel like when I see it, I'm just gonna be like, "Oh, fuck yeah, that person!" Right? For sure. Right. Uh, there's a person called some shithead in my phone oh. because I I lost all my contacts and I asked people to like text me their number, and this guy was just fucking with me. Right. This is my buddy Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Ron. Ron clues. Aaron clues. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I didn't know it. Like he texted me when I was with him. And then he was like, I'm some shithead in your right, phone? And right. I was like, yeah, because you wouldn't tell me what your fucking name was, <laughs> asshole. Uh, but he's, he's a great dude. Um, okay, well, there's an unknown contact in my phone. Unknown. And, and you talk to them frequently? or Nope, I don't. Uh, so they don't count. Jeez, I'm holding up the whole thing, aren't I? It's okay. Okay, well, I'll say my most interesting contact name, because I remember meeting this person. Yeah. Is at Cascanale on Stage Street. I love, I love a, a good whiskey bar. A drunk meat. Um, his name was Miko, and uh, he said, "Yeah, like the little raccoon from Pocahontas." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "All right, perfect." And then so, so that's how I saved him in my phone. Miko, little raccoon from Pocahontas, ass boy. So there he goes. That's the, I think that's the most interesting person. He was very mysterious. I've never, yeah. never talked to him since then. Mystery is interesting. He he came in really hot. He had a whole fucking thing going on and a lot of high vibrational energy. And then he right. made his way and we never spoke again. Right. I think that's got to be the most interesting yeah. person in my contacts. I dig it. Or No, that Dion Green. That's oh, cool. That's hey, cool. let's hear it for Dion. Dion yeah. Green, Be- best karaoke DJ in the city we of actually, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, to wrap it up on your Big Papa thing, we we performed Big Papa last night at a comedy show. Very nice. We sure did. I looped Very it because nice. it's like a constant loop. Right, and, right. And Dion, obviously, sorry for blacksploiting you, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but he was so down because that was the first song I ever played him up at a comedy show with. Right between the sheets, Isley Brothers. Perfect. So that was a nice little. Jake, where can people find you if they want to find you? People and- can find me in person. Come look for me. Um, I will be at any of those shows I mentioned. Or Greenlit Comedy happens every uh, first Saturday of the month at Robinia Courtyard. Comedy at the Cabaret. Um, that's North Street Cabaret. I do music at both of those comedy shows. Right. Sometimes do stand up there too. Um, and now there's one at the Winnebago Tuesdays. Nice. Um, look for that uh, i think it's i think they're all just called like comedy at this <laughs> yeah, place yeah, comedy yeah. at this place right uh i do music at a few shows um nomad world pub every friday 
Sunday, comedy on state this Wednesday. Uh, add me on Facebook, and I usually bug people with where I'm going to be at right. and stuff. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, there's a cool little nipple picture there, there that I posted in October. I deliberately, my last. I deliberately did not include that in the picture that I posted today. Oh, you should have. <laughs> Actually, um, a venue that was selling tickets for a show, they were like, I need a headshot, and I sent them that. <laughs> and they were like, a nice, a very nice group of older women just bought tickets. <laughs> Right after I posted that, and I was like, that's my target demo. So, that's like, perfect. I'm glad to see the plan in action. That's perfect. <laughs> well, Jake, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so yeah, much for, for joining us. Uh, people listening and watching on Instagram, go check him out. Go check out his shows. Uh, it's going to be good. It's always fun. And uh, I had a blast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. Thanks yeah. for having me.